Welcome back to As the Prop Turns. I'm your host, Kat. And Dan, once again, back on here. And uh, welcome back, Dan. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think I missed, what, one, two, three, a few. Yeah, a few. Yeah, just a bit. Just a bit. Well, glad to be back and glad to uh, bring some more stories from some historical events for everybody. Absolutely. We have a new segment of On This Day in Aviation History today, and it is also Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Uh, We hope that you are having a great day and you're ready to feast later. I know that I am ready to feast later. Dan, are you ready to feast later? Yeah, I thought today was, well, we're recording this on what, Tuesday? I thought today was Wednesday. I was very excited, Mm -hmm. very hyped up that tomorrow was going to be Thanksgiving, and then I got to work and clocked in and realized that it was, in fact, Tuesday, so... Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be good. Well, um, today, like we said, we have two very interesting On This Day in Aviation History stories for you, um, both taking place around November 24th. Mine is on November 24th in 1971. And, Dan, you said yours was November 28th? Yes, November 28th, 1918. All right, so neither of those are actually on Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's close enough um, to the bullseye. Yeah, they're, they're around Thanksgiving nonetheless. So, Dan, why don't you start today? Because I feel like I always start. Yeah, I can go ahead. So, as we said, I am coming at y'all with a story from November 28th, 1918. And this is circling around the U.S. Air Mail Service and how they held the first Thanksgiving in a plane. So, kind of going to be talking a little bit of the airmail history and the service, everything around it. But it was actually started during, I think it was a little bit before World War One. I, I believe it was 1911. And a lot of experimental flights happening with the government. Um, even throwing it all the way back, the very first airmail delivery was completed by a John Wise in a balloon in 1859. So... Delivering mail by air, it's been around for a long while, and people have been really tinkering it with it, but the United States government really started getting in-depth with it about 1911, 1918, and they had their very first trip, their very first official trip on May 15th, 1918, with the trip from Washington, Philadelphia to New York. I believe that was kind of their uh, mainstay for a good while there. But looking further on into later history with the mail service, there was the Air Mail Act, which was kind of interesting because this is where it actually ended government planes delivering mail and they went to airlines. They went to contract-based for the aircraft and that led to the Air Mail scandal, which was funny because they basically sat down with a lot of the high executives of the airlines of the current time. Um, I could not remember any of them off the top of my head, but they basically sat down and they said, all right, cool, you want the uh, New York to Chicago flight? Cool, you want this? They really divvied it up. Then when they took to Congress, they basically shut down anyone who wasn't in this meeting. I believe they called it the uh, spoils conference between the um, some Congress members and, like I said, some high executives. So it was interesting. So once that disaster kind of ensued and played out, the U.S. Army Air Force actually took over pretty much all the routes in America. That ended the disaster. Uh, I think 13 people died, numerous crashes, 
really doing well for the uh, Air Marshal Service. So wow. kind of funny to look back and see that not only is the uh, you know not the bash on anybody who may work for the post office, but not to say <laughs> not to say it's the greatest running thing. But I mean, it seems to have never had the best success. But anyways, um, yeah, looking onto my story, the Thanksgiving meal. It was really a PR stunt done by the superintendent of the airmail service who was Benjamin Lipsner at the time so they were looking to introduce the new aircraft that were they were bringing into the fleet which was the Handley Page aircraft which they got from the Army Air Service actually which was funny looking into that history because the goal for it was well let me tell you about the history about the Handley Page it was built during World War One for service in the war as a bomber. And its intention with the air service was to carry a ton and a half of mail. Now, the funny thing is, is that even with the aircraft that they were currently flying, which was the standard JR-1B and the Jenny JN-4H, they weren't even filling those planes up. And they were single-engine biplanes. They didn't even have enough to fill those up. So the fact that they looked to a multi-engine bomber to carry mail, I mean, I could have probably told them that wasn't going to work out. And it did not work out. So shortly after this story, they actually phased that out completely and moved over to the DH-4, the Liberty Plane, <laughs> which totally ties in our uh, we love past the Liberty episodes. Planes. Oh, yeah. De Havilland, <laughs> the Liberty Planes, the Liberty Engines. It all circles back. So... Going back and talking about the Thanksgiving meal, it was a PR stunt, like I said. They gathered a bunch of people who were rooting for the air mail services, really wanted to see it, you know, no pun intended, take off and be successful. So they basically gathered everybody, said, all right, let's write a letter to, it was Woodrow Wilson who was president at the time, let's write a letter to him. Um, let's go fly and have the very first Thanksgiving meal in this aircraft, the Handley Page. And it was, I guess you could say it was a success. At its time, I mean, they got in the plane, they had the dinner, um, although that, you know, the plane got axed out of the overall air service later on, but it's just interesting that they did that. Um, Something I was just going to kind of read is I was going to say who the members of that Thanksgiving dinner were, just because they were big players in aviation history. So like I said, the superintendent at the time, Benjamin Lipsner, he was a big proponent of the early aviation days and the air mail service. So he was really the one that was pushing for it. He's the one that eventually after the the standard that we were talking about, that aircraft and the Jenny, after they got phased out, he was the big proponent of getting the DH-4s in because they got them for free from the Army after oh, the wow. war. So that's why they were really the big mainstay and uh, standard for a long time of what the early days of the air service flew. The other members of the Thanksgiving dinner were Alan Hawley, which was the president of the Aero Club of America at the time, Henry Woodhouse, who was the editor of Aerial Age, and then Augustus Post, Aerial League of America, um, an E.S. Pennewill, which I could not find a whole lot of information about, but he was there, fun <laughs> fact, uh, Mr. Malarick of the Standard Aircraft Corporation, and a Leroy Galota of the Air Power magazine. So a lot of people, again, from journalists and right. magazines, all that stuff, but it was a publicity stunt, so that's what they did. I think the one thing that I wanted to end off was the letter that they actually sent off to Woodrow Wilson, just because 
again, it was a PR stunt. This mm-hmm. was the whole point of them actually going and having dinner in a plane. But they wrote and they said, We who are having Thanksgiving ceremony and dinner on board of a three-ton Hanley Page post office mail aeroplane extend our heartiest congratulations on inauguration of the aerial age by the post office department. A new Epcot has dawned for the commerce of America and for the whole world. We all join in thanksgiving for the stupendous victory achieved and for the realization of our hopes, which we confidently believe will be soon followed by the results of the utmost benefit to civilization when the marvelous developments in military aeronautics are turned to utilitarian purposes and aerial mail service is established throughout the United States. So, yeah, kind of interesting history with um, the air service and ties into not only previous episodes with the DH-4, but Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. Well, and actually the episode that I did last week was also about the very first uh, transatlantic mail flight or whatever. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so everything's just tied in at this point. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but just interesting history. Um, It's so funny how far back you can take you know, mail being delivered in the history behind that. Like I said earlier, like John Wise in a balloon. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think that, I think it was the earliest thing was they literally sent him up with a letter from George Washington and they were like, yeah, just go fly and see where you land and deliver it to whoever you meet. Oh, that's cool. And it was just wearing them. Um, Fun history with that guy, which I'll just totally interject now before we transition to your story, (laughs) is John Wise actually, I forget the name of the passenger, but he just disappeared on a balloon flight one day. Nobody, I think everybody assumed he died because, you know, mm-hmm. they found the body of the passenger in Lake Michigan. But they just went up in the balloon, disappeared, never saw again. Which is totally weird. I mean, I'm sure people have seen balloons in the sky before. Like, those are big things. You yeah. don't You don't exactly just lose sight of that. Right. So, interesting that that's how he met his uh, demise. But, mm. yeah, fun male history. That is very cool. Is he an ancestor of yours? No, no, no. So they actually <laughs> they actually stole my last name. It used to be Weiss, I think, W E I S S E, and then oh, okay. they just changed it because Wise sounds better. Um Got it. So yeah. Fun facts. Very fun. All right. Uh, well, I am very excited to share my story today. And I am excited to listen about it. I did get a sneak peek about what it is, and yes. I think everybody who's listening will get a kick out of it as well. Yes. Well, apparently it's very well known. You knew what it was. Oh, yeah. Um, I had never heard of it. Well, I hope some of our listeners have never heard of it because I'm about to tell you this story. So, on November 24th, 1971, um, a very interesting series of events took place. Uh, this probably would never happen nowadays um, due to people like Mr. Dan Cooper here. Um, The things that he did are, you know, some of the reasons why we have such great security now. Uh, So, it was an early Wednesday afternoon and Dan Cooper purchases a one-way ticket to Seattle, Washington from Portland, Oregon. This was a non-stop flight operated by Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 305. They were scheduled for departure from Portland at 2.50 p.m. with a crew of six and 37 passengers, including Mr. Cooper. So this was a 30-minute flight. Um, 
that's why it was probably pretty light on passengers. Um, and they were in a Boeing 727-51, which is now known as a 727-100. So uh, after takeoff, Cooper wasted no time. He slipped a handwritten note to one of the flight attendants. Her name was Florence. And the note said that the airliner is being hijacked and I have a bomb in my briefcase. So Florence asked to see the bomb to make sure that what Cooper's saying was true and he showed her inside his briefcase and there was eight red cylinder bombs with red wire and a battery. I don't know about you but if someone slipped me a note saying that they have a bomb I wouldn't think that they were lying. Yeah me neither especially with the uh, red the wires and the battery I'd probably look yeah. for the uh, parachute in the exit. Yeah Seriously. Well, after he slips her the note, um, he lays out his demands. So he is requesting 200000 in U.S. currency, four parachutes, and a fuel truck to be standing by at the gate when they get to Seattle. So Florence tells all the crew, um, and I'm guessing the captain was the one that made all these arrangements. Um, but I looked it up, and, and guess how much 200000 is in today's value? I am going to say a stupid amount of money. Yeah, guess. I, I have no idea. I can't count past three, so this is going to be difficult. Okay. More than three. Yeah, $1.5 million. <laughs> so he requested $1.5 million. That is uh, that is insane. Yeah. That is a lot of money. I don't know what I'd do with it. Yeah, I don't know what he was going to do with it either. Um, so as they're approaching Seattle, they end up having a circle for two hours before they land because... It was a 30-minute flight, not enough to organize all his demands, so they weren't going to land before they had everything in place because of the whole bomb situation. Um, so two hours of circling, they finally land at 5.30, and the FBI has gathered all the money for Cooper. Um, they had it collected from several banks over Seattle, all 20s and unmarked bills. But the bills were photographed um, to record like all the serial numbers on the bills. So they did that. Um, and then, so the money was carried from, um, I guess, the airport to the plane by a Northwest employee. Um, and he also had the four parachutes. So the money and the parachutes were delivered to Cooper. And then he let all the flight attendants go except for one um, and all the 36 passengers. So he let everybody off the plane. Um, but Cooper wanted the plane to be refueled ASAP so that the captain and the first officer could fly him to Mexico. That was his next set of demands. So they ended up having to use three different fuel trucks because there were some complications, so he was probably upset with that. Um, but once they fueled up, they were on their way to Mexico. He gave them very specific instructions on how he wanted them to fly there. So he said fly as low as possible, leave the landing gear down, the flaps at 15 degrees and remain below 10,000 feet so that the plane would be unpressurized. Um, he also asked that they take off with the stairs down, um, but that was a hard stop due to safety. Everything else, all of his other demands, that was fine, but the stairs down, that was like, that was a, a definite no. Um, I mean, could a plane even take off with this? I mean, it could, but would that even make any sense to have yeah, it down? Like, I don't know. But, like, you can tell with all of these demands, like, clearly he's about to jump out of the plane. Like, um, So they departed at 7.40, and um, Cooper had kept one of the flight attendants on board with him, who was Tina. Um, and so when they took off, obviously the military was going to follow them in some jets. So... 
Um, they were in two Convair F-106 Delta Dart interceptors from McCord Air Force Base. And uh, the crew had planned to stop in Reno, Nevada to refuel, at which point I'm sure that the authorities were going to detain Mr. Cooper. Well, Cooper probably thought that as well, um, because he told Tina to go up to the cockpit with the two other pilots, and he ended up jumping out of the plane. It was about 8 p.m. when he jumped out, um, so about, like, 20 minutes after they departed. Um, so the crew got a warning light in the cockpit that indicated that the stairs had been activated, causing the plane to pitch down. So luckily the pilots were paying attention, and... Um, they were able to get everything situated, landed in Reno at about 10.15. They searched the plane. Um, Cooper, the money, and the parachutes were nowhere to be found on board. He was gone. Um, Did and then, they find the uh, suitcase with the bomb? Oh, good question. I assume they're... I didn't, yeah, I, I assume didn't that'd see still that be there. The yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, who knows if it was even real. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. Like, how hard is it to paint, like... You know, three oh, yeah. things of PVC piping and get some wires and like a sure. nine volt battery. For like, sure. Cool and I mean, this $20. was 1971 too. So yeah. it's like, I feel like people were probably easier then. Yeah. Like, when, when was the, um, oh, I can't think of the law now, but like there was a time where you can buy like a Tommy gun for like 20 bucks. <laughs> like, come on. Can't yeah. be that hard. Things were very different back then. Truly. Uh, but seven years later, a hunter found the placard from the stairs of the 727 near the known path of where the hijacking happened from 1971. And then in 1980, a boy found three deteriorated packs of $5,800, all $20 bills matching the serial numbers recorded. He found those near um, a lake that was nearby. And then Dan Cooper has never been found. Don't know where he is. D.B. Cooper. Yep. I'm, that's interesting. So various, various questions are now popping mm. up into my head. He asked for four parachutes. Right. Now, was that intentional for the pilot, co-pilot, and the flight attendant in Ooh. case something went wrong on the flight or when he opened the door? Good question. Was he really that bad of a guy? Right. Um, Good question. And then the fact that there was just the money found by some kid. I didn't know that was a part of the uh, story. Yeah. Like. Did he just not open the parachute and just kind of hit well, the ground? Well, there's two theories. There have been several possible sightings of Cooper, but obviously... That that sounds like a Bigfoot thing. Like, right, yeah, I've exactly. seen Bigfoot. Like, okay, the, sure um, you have. The most likely is that he didn't survive the jump. And, I mean, I don't know how high you have to be to uh, deploy a parachute. But high enough. Yeah. I mean, if they they were only 20 minutes into flight and he asked them to stay below 10,000, like, I don't know if maybe there were issues with his parachute or something. Yeah, because you said it was the two darts that were following him. Yeah. You think that they would notice a parachute yeah. opening, like... Right. Interesting. Yeah. Now, do you think that... You said it was the FBI who was there? Yeah. Do you think that they would have uh, tampered with the parachutes hmm. to make it fail? They were the ones and that then, supplied them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a thought. That's a that's thought. Interesting. Well, they, I guess they so, never found his body, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that'll be uh, some conspiracy thoughts and talk for another day. But, yeah. yeah, very interesting story. That's definitely a popular, popular aviation heist. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it was interesting because when I was actually looking for a story, we talked about it earlier before we did this, 
I was trying to find an aviation heist to go toe-to-toe with this, with D.B. Cooper. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that I think the latest one that I found when I was reading on stuff was 2013. And there was a diamond heist off of an aircraft in, I may uh, absolutely butcher it, I think it was Brussels or Belgium. And it was like 50 million or something like that in diamonds that they just stole. It's just so bizarre to think that even with so much technology and even after like 9-11 that somebody was able to get onto an airport get onto a plane steal 50 million and then get off yeah like bizarre to me but um, i thought you were gonna tell that story this time i was excited no 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 i decided that talking about the postal office and airmail was more important off also they tied in like three things dh4 thanksgiving and um everything else so how could i pass that up yeah how could i pass that up so well i do have some cool facts about this exact aircraft well not really facts but a cool fact about this exact aircraft is that it was in service after the whole northwest situation so it was sold to piedmont and then it was operated um by united technologies flight dynamics testing navigational equipment and then it was sold to key airlines and then um, it became a charter plane for the Nelly Air Force Base. After that, it was put into storage, and then in 1996, it was scrapped. So it was born in 1966, and it died in 1996, so 30 years. Nice, nice. And it was that single aircraft, not just yep. like the airframe. It was no, that yeah, it was single that one. exact, yep. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yep. What was the Northwest situation for those who either have a short memory like I do or just don't know? It was Northwest Airlines that... DB was on. Oh, 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 oh. I did not know that. Interesting. There's I mentioned been, it briefly. Yeah, there's been so many airlines. I can't get anything just straight. There's JetBlue, Endeavor, Republic, other things. Yeah. I, so many names. All catchy, but yeah. I just get twisted with who's done what and what's happened with whom. Well, and you don't even realize, like, if you're not in aviation, you don't realize, like, who Endeavor is, who Republic is, like, who all these, like, regions are. Yeah, who Northwest are. was. Exactly. And... You just think of Delta, American, Southwest, United. Like, that's all you think yeah, of. Yeah, the big but names. The big there's names. There's many, many out there. That is very true. But yeah, no, that was an interesting story. I'm sure somebody's going to uh, get a kick out of that and... uh yeah, hopefully somebody enjoyed listening to my talk about airmail because yeah. that is truly interesting history. It is. So, yeah. Was that the first Thanksgiving meal in the air, you think? I was trying to think about that, and I'm not sure. I wasn't able to find too much about the event because it was just such a small thing. And again, the whole point of it was, you know, here's a new aircraft we're going to be flying all the mail on. Here's all this stuff, you know, look at us, we're going up and up and up, and it did the opposite, and they scrapped the plane yeah. and went on with something else, so. Did uh, the president ever respond to them? I actually didn't see. They probably okay. didn't. I feel probably like uh, I feel like he had more important stuff to deal with yeah. rather than like, oh, cool, you're having dinner in a plane. Yeah, great idea. I do that all the time. Yeah, I'm doing that ne- <laughs> I'm doing that next flight. Man. Right. It was just kind of an oddball thing, but it was interesting to really the weirdest thing that I read was the fact that they got this World War 1 bomber mm-hmm. that was 3 tons could carry a ton of mail and weight ton not amount ton. Mm. A ton of mail 
and they didn't even have enough mail at the current time to load up the yeah. planes they were currently flying. High expectations. That's just, yeah, yeah, well, bit them in the rear, so. <laughs> well, everyone, thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode of On This Day in Aviation History. We hope that you enjoyed it and that you all are having a relaxing and safe Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next week. I'm your host, Kat Granary, and thanks for listening to As the Prop Turns. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Anchor, for making all this possible, and of course, all of our listeners. Be sure to check us out on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, and Facebook, handle at Superior Flight School. And remember, keep the blue side up. <laughs>